Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today we're going to talk about what happens in sex therapy sessions. I'm going to talk about my personal experience of being a patient and getting sex therapy counseling. We're going to talk about what is the difference between a sex therapist, sex educator, sexual surrogate, and sex coaches. And I'm going to talk about some of the presenting issues that I'll see that show up in my counseling room. Also, how to find someone to see if they're a good fit for or what are you looking for. Before I dive into the topic today, I just want to remind you guys that next Friday, July 27th, I have an open house in my new counseling office. I invited a range of different professionals locally, physicians, other therapists, local businesses, and we're going to have some wine and champagne and I ordered food. And if you're living in LA, I would love to see you here. I'm really grateful that you're listening to this show. You're emailing me, communicating with me, and I want to get to know you personally. So if you are living in Los Angeles County, please consider coming in. You can just email me that you're coming. My email is drmoali at sexologypodcast.com. I'll forward you the address. I hope I'll see you there. So I'm going to talk about a topic that's a little bit uncomfortable for me. As a therapist, I try to do minimal disclosure in my session with my clients 
because I want to make sure I'm focusing on uh, what they need to get out of our sessions. And also, it's just tough to talk about your own personal challenges. But since you guys are such loyal listeners, I wanted to be more vulnerable and honest with you guys. You know, at times people ask me, did you get interested in becoming a sex therapist? Because I have some research background. My other specialty is treatments of eating disorders. I work at inpatient, different facilities. And usually people with these kind of experiences, with sex, they usually are not interested in pursuing also sex therapy. But because of my experience being a patient and uh, how things unfolded, for me, I, I feel very passionate about this topic. And that's why I said, I thought to myself, I'm going to pursue this. So I'm going to be honest with you guys about my experience at sex therapy in order and with the hope that it will be useful for you guys. So many moons ago, I remember I was a first year doctoral graduate student. I just finished my master's degree. I was in this relationship, appeared everything appeared very good and it was a monogamous relationship that I was part of. And as you guys know, I'm coming from a conservative background. So after years of feeling shameful about uh, sex and having premarital sex and all those stigma associated with that, finally I felt, oh my God, I feel good about this. I like having sex. And we had a great time in this relationship, me and my ex-partner. And I'll get to how, how that relationship ended. But anyhow, one day, uh, which appeared out of blue for me, I noticed that sex became extremely painful for me. Nothing changed for me. It wasn't like I was like I had trauma or I went through menopause or it was after having a baby. I was totally hindsighted by the fact that one day I was just felt I wasn't able to have sex anymore. And it was very uncomfortable, very disappointing for me and my partner then because we had an excellent uh, sexual sex life and everything were kind of aligned as far as our desires, as far as our kind of things that we were interested in erotic templates. And so like many of people who are struggling with sexual challenges, at the beginning, I tried to kind of muscle through it, like pretend that's not a big deal. And then afterward, I started kind of avoiding sex. It was really bad. It was taking a toll out of our relationships. We waited like four or five months until the point I was like, okay, this certainly seems like it's turning. It's a, it's a big issue for me. I felt like part of my identity were kind of impacted. My self-esteem was uh, impacted. And I was like, okay, uh, where can I go to get some help? Like many people, my first thought was, okay, I'll go to my gynecologist and had this excellent gynecologist. But he wasn't, I don't know how much he knew about sex kind of psychological component of sex and sex therapy so I went to him and he was just he he was a very kind and thoughtful kind of a physician and he took a time to talk to me and I opened up to him and I told him uh, what was going on and he said you know maybe you just need to drink a couple glasses of wine and you'll be okay obviously he did some hormonal tests nothing came out 
And that was his re- kind of recommendation. And I was just kind of disappointed. I was saying that, well, I didn't need to drink alcohol before to experience pleasure. And like, I tried it. It was just like, okay, maybe the, the pain was slightly numb, but it wasn't the kind of sex I wanted to have. I don't want to be drunk and out of it while I was having sex and still I could feel discomfort. So we continued several other months with having like horrible kind of painful sex and we were fighting about it. And as I shared with you guys before, I always been in therapy. So I brought it up to my individual therapist. He didn't know that much about uh, sex therapy. One of the recommendations he had was like, oh, maybe you need to fantasize more about your partner. I I was kind of like at shock when he made that recommendation because I wasn't sure what would that do about my physical pain. Anyhow, finally... My partner agreed to come with me to couples counseling, and it was really painful for him to come in. He wasn't someone that was psychologically oriented. He he was in the, one of those guys that he was into like fixed mode, kind of very solution focused. Okay, so this is a problem. We're going to solve it this way. So it was very disappointing for him as well to kind of like kind of accept that this is something that we need to get help about it. So at the time, I didn't know that much about sex therapy. So we went, we went through the kind of online directory. We chose someone that was highly kind of praised in Iranian community. The reason I went to an Iranian-American psychologist was that because I wanted to go to someone that maybe I was kind of curious to see if there was cultural factors that were played into my experience and I said, okay, this person is great. Everyone talks highly of her. Let's go to see her. We had just like finally after like months and months of struggle, we kind of experienced some hope. I went in and she she was again, it was a very expensive process. She She's kind of a celebrity in the Iranian community, Iranian-American community. So she was charging like 350 per hour. We were going weeks and weeks. And we were un- kind of unpacking different things about our relationship. Beside the first kind of session that I shared with her, we are here because of the penetration is painful. We didn't talk about sex at all. Like three months, four months, six months afterward, we were keeping going, hoping that things going to change. And just, I don't know, and nothing changed. And we were talking about our relationship and patterns and communications, which are great, but it's not like we had communication problems. Obviously, everyone can improve on how they're communicating, relating to their partners. But I felt like main issue wasn't being addressed. And at the end, like after six months, we stopped going because we said, okay, we're kind of pouring this our resources into the sessions. And yes, we might have a better vocabulary to kind of describing what are we struggling with, but nothing changed as far as like the pain level I was experiencing. And like any other relationship, I feel when there are sexual issues, when sex is important for both partner, we drifted apart. Uh, we kind of experienced resentment and disconnection 
and that relationship ended. And then it wasn't until after that that I said, okay, I need to go take care of this issue because I think sexual health is a big, important part of our personality. And honestly, I was feeling that, you know, maybe I'm defective. What's wrong with me? It was impacting my self-confidence. And I was thinking, okay, I was noticing lustful eyes and people were kind of like approaching me. And I had this kind of internal dialogue of only if they knew that I'm broken. Anyhow, I finally got this information for a sex therapist. I went to this person who, her practice was, her specialty was sex therapy. I went in, I talked to her about my challenges. She gave me a few exercises. I did different exercises outside the session. I did some reading. Six, seven sessions later, I was at the place that I used to be. And right now, I guess like 10 years passed and I never had any issue with sex, with intercourse. It's never been painful again for me. I don't know what was the root of what I was experiencing back then. But that sex therapist with the techniques that she had, she helped me to work through those kind of like challenges and restore my sexual health. And I am feeling like, immense amount of gratitude toward her. And I'm feeling a little bit disappointment and resentment toward the couple's therapist that we went because she never referred us out to a sex therapist. And I later on realized that's not her focus of her therapy practice. I genuinely believe there's difference between couples therapy and sex therapy. So that's why I wanted to share my experience with you. Right now, I'm married to someone that I find an excellent match, like emotionally, sexually, intellectually. But I was lucky that things turned out well for me. What if the person that our relationship, we had the breakup and we ended the relationship. What if I never found this compatible partner? I, I can only imagine I would be kind of feeling resentful. I would be feeling confused and regretful. So the reason I wanted to share this vulnerable experience that I had and kind of a private part of like take a challenge to share with you something that's very private for me is just to tell you that everyone has sexual problems at some point. And some people are like, you know, that's like a once or twice experience, but many people struggle for years and years. I was looking at statistic and one study that was done at Cleveland Clinic, it found that 40% of women and 31% of men report some degree of sexual dysfunction. These are huge numbers. And I can guarantee you that this number is not even true representation of what's going on in the society because they got this number from the people who sought help. Uh, what about hundreds and hundreds of people that are out there and thousands of people that are struggling and they don't know where to turn. That's why I wanted to talk uh, more about what to do if you're struggling. What are the resources that you can use? So let us start with talking about what is sex therapy? What is the difference between sex therapy, sex educator, sexual surrogate, and sex coaches? So sex therapists are usually our licensed professionals. They usually have some kind of a 
master's degree in mental health counseling or marriage family therapy or social work, or many of them like me, they're psychologists, they have PhD or PsyD. So they went through the kind of years of years of undergrad and master's degree or doctoral degree. And unfortunately, the way that our education here is in higher education in in the United States and many countries, we barely get any information around sexuality. So majority of people, after they're done and they get their license or they're close to licensure, they seek out additional training. So for me, I had to take some classes, which took me about a year online and in person, and then you do some supervision. Because human sexuality is very vast, and it's important to kind of have knowledge about physiological component, like physical component of sex, psychological, and kind of the relational relational kind of component of human sexuality. So this is a definition of sex therapist. So if you are licensed, one thing that's important to know is you are kind of bound to a requirement of your licensure, which guarantee that you as a customer, as a consumer, get certain level of service. So what I mean that, like your information, for example, would be confidential. I see some of my clients in the community and legally I cannot acknowledge them. There are certain very strict guidelines about what to do with the information presented in a session. You have to save it in like the most kind of private way that you can save the information, like behind two locked doors so no one would have access to it. So there are lots and lots of the factors that kind of licensure board kind of put in place to make sure that people's information are confidential. The other component is that in order to have and keep your licensure, sex therapists need to continuously get kind of some kind of continuing education, going to workshops, to get taking classes, to make sure they have the good understanding of the updated information in the field. And also, the other benefit of going to a licensed person is if they do something that you can perceive as unethical or even not effective, you can take it to the board and people can have this kind of hefty fine. So it gives people another level of the sex therapist, another level of kind of accountability to make sure that they offering the services that are confidential, they are effective, and based on the most kind of like a most up-to-dated research. About sex therapy, one, one of the questions that many people have is like, what happens in this session? So there is no touching. That, I know that's one of the questions that people have. It's similar to any other mental health counseling sessions that you've been. So it's just a talk therapy. So it's a different kind of talk therapy, but it's in a sense that there's no hands-on interaction similar to other form of therapy. The difference between a regular like mental health counselor or psychologist and sex therapist is that sex therapist has lots of good 
hands-on techniques and also information about human sexuality and different factors that contribute to sexual dysfunctions and resources. So as I shared with you, I bet couples therapist that I went to, she's I'm I'm sure she's effective in some some areas of her practice. Otherwise she wouldn't be this kind of well known and becoming a reputable professional. But sex therapy wasn't her area of focus. So she didn't know, she never learned what to do, for example, when someone come in uh, when they're experiencing painful intercourse. Uh, sex therapists, through their training, they get like a manualized kind of very kind of research proven strategies and techniques and exercises so they can use that with their clients and make sure that people are seeing the results that they want to see. So that's sex therapist. So definitely, if you want to go to that route, if you think sexuality is a concern, it's important to seek out people who are kind of identifying themselves as sex therapists and they have enough knowledge about human sexuality. So you wouldn't waste your resources the same way that I wasted the resources with that couple's counselor or couple psychologist. The other groups are sex educators. These are people that they have some information about human sexuality, some advanced information about human sexuality. They are competent to teach in the classroom at elementary, uh, secondary, higher education levels. These are the people who can have different kind of workshops. And here and there, you see definitely the advertisement for their practices, like sex educators teaching oral sex, sex educator teaching BDSM. So they have good, solid information about different kind of modality. They can conduct and design courses and seminars, but they're not equipped to address kind of more advanced kind of challenges that people have. So if you're kind of like you're thinking your anxiety, depression, past history of trauma, those kind of things get in the way, I think sex therapist would be a better fit. But for example, if you need to, you want to be able to give a better oral sex or blowjob, or um, you're kind of thinking about, I want to open up my relationship, my husband and I, or my boyfriend and I, or my girlfriend and I, we are ready for that. What are like A, B, C, D steps that I can take? Uh, sex educators would be a good source to go to, to get those information. Another level of professionals are uh, sexual surrogates. So these are the people who are, they kind of do more hands-on kind of training. These are people that times toward the end of their treatment, they still with the clients, they have penetration, they have intercourse. And depending on what are the struggles that people are having, they are kind of, it's kind of more hands-on, as I said. So usually it's not like they have sex with clients every single time. But for example, for, and I've been to many of their presentations, so I have some knowledge of uh, what some of them do. So for example, if someone have, uh, he has an issue with erectile dysfunction, they can kind of go and teach them what to do with pacing, what are different things you can do, or people who are on Asperger spectrum, that they have sensitivity, they have tools and tricks that they can use. 
and it's more kind of an involved way of teaching and kind of showing how how to be more sexual. Usually in again in several states across the United States, surrogacy is illegal. So I heard the cases of therapists recommending and referring clients out for surrogacy and they get reprimanded by their board. It could be some financial fines. In California, my understanding is that these laws are not enforced. So I know uh, some of my colleagues that are referring to surrogates and the way that's usually be done, this is in addition to therapy. So you're going to sex therapy, your sex therapist refer you to a sexual surrogate that he or she trusts and worked with. And you have this kind of treatment plan that like, this is the goal that we have. We want to make sure that like so-and-so is able to have sex, maintain erection, or so-and-so are able to have kind of reach orgasm. And there are a limited number of the sessions that the sexual surrogates kind of work with the clients. And, and usually people, some, some people see results. Again, I haven't referred out to sexual uh, surrogate yet because I think it's just people who are coming into my practice are not a good fit for that because I think it's important to kind of like address the issues oftentimes without getting that extra help because I feel if you're struggling and you're kind of managing to work through that, then it would be easier for you to kind of like maintain the success. But then if you have this kind of experience with a sexual surrogate, it might not translate well to outside the uh, sexual experience that you have with other people. So that's one of the reasons I am kind of a kind of hesitant at times to refer to sexual surrogate. The other issue with sexual surrogacy is it's not like a licensure board that we have. You can have range of different professionals claims to be a sexual surrogate. So I know they have their governing body, but I, it doesn't seem like if you're not following certain practices, you would get reprimanded or you would get fined. Again, it could be a good option for people with disabilities, people who have some kind of issues that they feel they gave sex therapy a good shot. They found someone that they trust and they like. They applied the techniques that the sex therapist recommended and they didn't get the result that they wanted. So I guess if you're curious to see how that looked like, some of you might have seen the movie In Sessions with Helen Hunt. And it was the story of the sexual surrogate that was helping someone with disability to experience sexual pleasure. And it's that is based on a true story. And I know I was looking at like CNN and they were talking, they were interviewing with the, the sexual surrogate that the story was based on that person. So again, it can be helpful, but that wouldn't necessarily be my first recommendation. So if you guys are curious, okay, I decided to go, I decided to go with a licensed sex therapist, what can I expect? What would happen in the sessions? Usually most sex therapists, they are, it takes about two or three sessions, depending on what is a presenting issue to get good comprehensive evaluation of uh, what's going on. Usually if it's individual, it could be two, one or two sessions. And if you a couple, they can come in minimum of a two or three session for the therapist to know what's going on. So usually most sex therapy practices are more solution focused, more short-term treatment. So at least I can talk about that in my practice. 
I don't see people for years and years for their sexual dysfunctions. Other things might resurface and they might decide to work on it. For example, trauma or kind of abandonment issues that they have and relational things. But the usually sexual component of things get addressed rather quickly. So what happens is like people going to a sex therapist and then first few sessions, the sex therapist kind of talk about the issues and ask clients lots of questions about their sexual history, when did the struggle started, and kind of do assessment of what can be contributing to the problem. The next step would be kind of seeing where the clients are. What are some of the goals that they have? Because I don't want to go to like family of origin issues if clients are in my sessions in my office to kind of address kind of a specific behavior, sexual dysfunction that's going on in their kind of relationship with their partner that's not working for them. For example, if someone's coming in because she has painful intercourse and her goal is to be able to have no pain or experience pleasure during intercourse, I'm not going to start from what happened to you when you were like, I don't know, two, three, five years old, unless they want to go there. So I usually go based on patient's expectation and what they want to work on. Again, it's like different layers. So first layer is just helping them to get some understanding of what's going on. At times we do kind of like I refer them to books and articles and at other times I might give them exercises and information in the session. After like in a therapist and a client, they decide on a goal. Most of the magic happens in between sessions, meaning that sex therapists usually give like homework for people to do outside the session, depending on the struggles that they have. And there are really great sex therapy exercises that people can do. And I certainly had guests that you, you guys probably heard that they recommended some of those exercises and talked about those exercises. So if you guys are curious, you can go back to the, the those episodes. But usually when people are doing the work, they see some results and things get better. One of the common things I hear in my sex therapy practice is, God, oh my God, I don't know why I waited this long. Or people say, you know, I had no idea this was normal. So instead of kind of like suffering for years and years, you can reach out and get help today. And your issue most likely can get resolved. Again, I'm sure there are things that are not kind of like, I don't know, resolvable. I don't know if that's the right term. But usually most of the things, at least people I see in my practice, things get certainly better. And it's really hard to suffer alone. So I, I highly encourage you if like your sexual health is not at a place that you like, definitely reach out and try to find some resources. So I guess with with sex therapy, you start, I start with a use implicit model for sexual counseling, which is start with limited information, teaching people different techniques they can do. And if the issues are not getting resolved with kind of tips and psychoeducation and exercises, then we kind of shift to more of a psychotherapy and kind of addressing, okay, what gets in the way psychologically that's kind of impact how you experience pleasure. What gets in the way that you're, it's just, it's hard for you to reach orgasm or maintain your 
erection or things of that nature, there are times, you know, anxiety, depression, trauma can impact our sexuality. I'm doing a series that I'm going to release soon that about every specific mental illness and its impact on our sexuality, because lots of these things are connected. Also, it's important to address physical concerns. At times when people are coming in, I send them to check their hormones. I refer them to the gynecologist, urologist, to make sure I'm not wasting their time when the issue could be possibly purely uh, physiological. For example, I had male clients that they were coming in, they, they were, had like low desire, and I sent them to the urologist, they did the hormone testing, and it turned out that their testosterone level were low. And after changing their testosterone level, their sexuality, their low desire resolved, and there was just no need for them to see me. So I think if you're a sex therapist, you have all this information of the possibility of other things impacting people's sexuality. For example, I always ask people about the medication. What are some of the medications you're taking? And, you know, some antidepressant, some anxiety medication impact people's sexuality and arousal. So that's important to kind of address. As a sex therapist, I and I know many of my colleagues have really different kinds of tools in our toolbox. So it's not like, you know, one exercise that I use with everyone. I use a number of different things and some, some stuff works very well for some clients and sometimes it's not helpful for other clients. So one thing that's very important for my relationship with my clients is just to have a good rapport because if you don't like and trust your therapist, you're not going to be honest with them. And I guess it's a good segue to other things that I want to talk about is how to choose a sex therapist. First of all, first step is to make sure the person, they have some knowledge about human sexuality, more than the basic information they got from the graduate school. But afterward, when you find a sex therapist, another factor that contributes to the success of your work with her or him is that you're liking her and trusting her. Because I think most people have struggled with opening up about their sexuality. So if you don't like your therapist or you cannot trust them or the way they, because of their age, their race, you feel judged, you cannot open up and talk comfortably with them. It's just important to find someone that you feel comfortable opening up to. I recently wrote this blog post on how to find a good fit as a therapist. And I, I leave a link in the show notes to that article because I feel many times people kind of pour their resources in this kind of counseling sessions. And because of the, the relationship, they cannot, they're not able to relate. They cannot connect to their therapist. It's just, it's not effective. So the same with sex therapists. If you cannot talk openly about your sexuality with your sex therapist, he or she might not be a good fit to help you navigate this issue. The other question I often hear is people are telling me how many sessions I need when they call for intake, how many sessions I need to, to resolve this issue. And they're telling me, okay, I have like delayed ejaculation. I have like low libido, mismatched libido. And so how long does it take? And I oftentimes tell people, I cannot exactly tell you how many times, how, ma uh, how many sessions it will take unless I assess you. Because what happens, you know, at times people's presentation might be appeared like the same, 
but the contributing factors are so different. For example, someone that might have issues or like, you know, later in life with kind of experiencing pain or orgasm post-menopause might be different for, for someone that kind of have issues around experiencing sexual pleasure after uh, rape or sexual assault. So I think it is such a personalized care and treatment. And unless you work with people, you don't know how long does it take. But I would say compared to kind of traditional counseling behavioral models, it tends to be a shorter model. So sometimes people see results in like six or eight sessions, some people 12 or 18. So it depends on where you are and what is your goal. I personally been in therapy all my life. I consider therapy as a self-care method. The same way I go to the gym, the same way I do meditation, I go to therapy for my personal growth. It's not like, you know, right now I'm struggling with anxiety, depression or anything, but it provides me an opportunity to kind of reflect and kind of process my emotions and reactions and slow down. I think it's been a valuable tool for me for my personal growth. But I don't say that people, everyone needs to be in therapy all their lives. Your goal might just be that I want to be able to have sex, like penetration with my partner without experiencing pain. Or I want to go back to the where we were before having a baby. So it just, it depends. Some people want to kind of like restore the functioning that they had. But so many people in my practice, there are coming in because they want to make things better. It's important for them to understand their sexuality. And also they're not kind of satisfied, just like good enough sex. So with sex therapy practices, you can come in as an individual, which I see many of my clients are coming in without their partners because their struggle is more kind of an individualized struggle. Some people come for a sexual orientation, sexual expression questions that they have. They want to kind of understand their gender identity better. So that's a place for them to come in. They process their emotion. We talk out what, where is their desire, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. Majority of my practice, though, are people who are struggling with sexual dysfunctions. For example, I have many women that I work with, they have arousal problems. Some of them, they never had orgasm or they have delayed orgasm or something happened that their orgasm is gone. I have some guys that are struggling with erectile dysfunction. One of the easiest things to kind of support people through is erectile dysfunction. Many times I see couples that they, they have kind of this mismatched libido. So they want to kind of get into the lifestyle of like swinging. Some people kind of coming in for because they have kind of their gravitate toward things that are not quote unquote considered normal. So they have fetishes and kinks. And I find myself like, you know, as a sex therapist, I have good information about what to do with each of these presenting issues. But some of the challenges I feel like if people have an interest in a special kind of kink or fetish that's not within my area of expertise, I refer out. There are so many people that are interested in various components of human sexuality. They feel passionate about them. And I truly, in my heart, I believe that people are deserving the first class treatment. So if I don't know what I'm doing and I'm kind of guessing it and you need to educate me about it as a patient, so I'm probably not a good fit for you. 
So I oftentimes part of the first two session is a time for me to assess is what you're struggling with is something that I have enough training experience and also is it something that I don't have biases because that's something else that I don't see with different sex educator coaches, uh, surrogate that at times people are not aware of their own biases and internal reactions and transferences and counter-transferences, and they might put themselves and the clients in risk because of that. So I've tried to be very mindful of these things. So I get these were kind of like some of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about what happens in sex therapy practices. And if you guys have any specific question, please let me know. Also, I just opened a few spots for Fridays for my online counseling sessions. So the way that online counseling session works, I have platform that I purchase. It's very similar to Skype, but it's not Skype because Skype is not confidential and secure. So this is a secure method of conversation and providing counseling. So wherever you are in the world, we can work together. All you need to do is you can just go to my website and reserve one of those few spots for online counseling. I don't have that many spots open, but I just opened those Friday ones. So if you're interested to work with me, you can just go there and directly book your appointment there. And what happens, you'll you'll receive the some kind of an intake paperwork via email, and it will ask you to put your credit card in. As far as my fee at the time of this recording, which is July 18, my fee is 230 for 50 minutes appointments. So, and I usually charge it before the opening, the starting of the session to make sure that with some of the online counseling people, it's not the people that I know and I don't, I haven't worked with. So I want to make sure that these are like people who are genuinely interested in, in our work. So that's, that's a little bit of the kind of description of my online counseling services if you are living in LA and you want to come in for sex therapy, currently my in-person practice is full. I'm so grateful that like, you know, right now I, I don't have necessarily any opening, but if you're interested, let me know. I can put you in a waiting list. As I shared with you, I graduate people and terminate therapy all the time because people are getting better and I want them to move on with their lives. So if your name is on the waiting list, I can offer those spots to you. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy rest of this week and we'll catch up next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.